Hello, my friends. Uh, Frankie Pace here, starting my new podcast, the Frankie Pace Podcast. And uh, I guess I'm joining the other 20 main podcasters, you know. Now you got to listen to my crap. <laughs> oh, my God. Well, let me uh, give you a little info on who I am anyway. I started doing comedy uh, 1979. Uh, thanks to my wife, she clued me in about this little comedy club in uh, Long Island called the White House Inn. And I was a plumber at the time. I was not happy being a plumber. I was working, believe it or not, on the World Trade Center. I was a silver brazier doing 10-inch main lines of copper for water to uh, satisfy the towers and it was, you know, it was it was a good job. It paid good money, and you know, my family did well by it. But I was bored, you know. There was something inside of me that said, "Get out there, we gotta make them laugh." I didn't know what I was doing. I was just bored. My wife says, "You know, you've been you've been funny the last couple of years. Maybe you should try to see if you can get into a comedy club and see if you can work it out. Who knows?" You know? So I went to this place called the White House Inn, and. Uh, I watched a lot of acts like uh, Bob Nelson, who was a prop comedian, who inspired me to become a prop comedian, uh, of which Eddie Murphy loved seeing me do my stuff. He especially loved the uh, the cigar, the cigar case, the tubular cigar case, uh, which held cigars. I had one and I would click it, make believe it was a vibrator, and it would attack my ass. And Eddie would just crack up Little by little, we all started, <clears throat> thanks to the uh, genius of Jackie Martin booking clubs and uh, Jim Myers booking clubs and Richie Minovini booking clubs and Bob Woods booking clubs. The Long Island comics had this opportunity to advance than the uh, average comedian in, uh, in New York City getting his big five minutes a week. I was getting f- what, 15 20 minutes a night, maybe three, four nights a week. And I was getting paid. I was getting paid big money. I was getting uh, $15. (laughs) Hard to believe, man, $15. Oh, my God. My first one was $5. And I got in a fist fight with one of the bikers. (laughs) And as they were dragging me out, they were yelling, Guy's funny. Bring back the ball guy. He's funny, you know. And they said, sir, you can't be hitting the customers. I says, well, you know, he was insulting me on stage, and I guess I couldn't take it. Uh, I'm an old school, you know, Italian from the neighborhoods, and you start pulling that shit, it gets to you, you know. So they threw me out of there, and uh, (laughs) I had to calm down, and uh, I started working at the clubs. And eventually worked my way to New York City, where my first uh, spot was at... uh, Catch a Rising Star, I auditioned there. And Rick Newman saw my act and loved me and told Bill Maher, who was the MC at that time, says, make sure this guy gets on. He's a regular from now on. And uh, he seemed upset, Bill, because, you know, we're, we're supposed to go through the trial period, you know. But being a Long Island comic and already seasoned, I surpassed all of that stuff, even at the comic strip uh, when I was working at the comic strip. 
I got passed over real fast and became a regular. Same thing happened when I went down to the improv. That was the benefit of being a Long Island comic. Uh, they called us the suitcase comics because we all started out with suitcase. Even Ron Bartlett, who used to be on the Imus in the Morning Show, was a prop comic. Stopped doing props and did more stand-up because it was easier to get around and you didn't have to carry this, you know, suitcase dragging it around in fact uh i was at the improv one night and I left the suitcase in my car and it was on uh, down in the hell's kitchen area by the improv and uh, they broke into my trunk and stole the suitcase can you imagine the guy's face when he opens up the trunk and finds toilet paper a wire a flashlight uh an old cap you know stuff like that and uh so i had to do I didn't have the suitcase, so I did 10 minutes without anything. And I realized I could do stand-up, you know, and do props. But I still liked the props at the time, and I kept doing the props. Catch would use me with my props. They loved it. The people loved it. And eventually, uh, I got to do warm-ups on Eddie uh, Eddie's show, Saturday Night Live, when he got Saturday Night Live. He was getting ready to do 48 hours. And he had to do two weeks in one week so he can have that one week uh, to do the film, you know. And I was walking around on the, in the studio, and Eddie saw me uh, under the bleachers standing there, you know. He goes, hey, Pace, how you making out, man? What are you doing here? And I told him what I was doing, and you know. And uh, I don't know what happened, but they canceled the first two comedians to do the warm-up because the first show didn't work out too well. So they decided to let me go. And as they were letting me go, Dick Ebersole comes out and says, Hey, Frankie, uh, Eddie says that you're a very funny guy and I should come and see you. So, you know, you want to make arrangements? Where do you want to go? I says, Oh, man, that's great. Plus they paid me for the night, which was another another great feature. And I says, That's fantastic, man. I'm getting paid for doing nothing. And he's going to come and see my act. So I made preparations that catch... And uh, Bill Maher was the MC. He was hesitant about giving me a spot. And I coerced him, really. I, I actually lied to him. Whoa. Uh, I told him that I had a, rest a restaurant owner who had, like, 20 restaurants. He was coming to see me. And, uh, you know, if he liked me, he's willing to start booking comedians. And I said, Bill, you would be one of them. So he let me have the, the spot. See, in those days, in the comedy clubs like that, the MC had the power for the night. He was able to control the shows. It was his responsibility. So he had power to put on whoever he wanted. So now I'm standing by the lector waiting, to, you know, waiting for my guy to come in. And, he, and Bill's like prompting me, well, where is this guy? You said he was coming in. I don't see anybody here. What's going on? I says, he'll be here. Within a few seconds later, the producer comes in and says, hey, Frankie, are you ready to go on? Bill's mouth opened up. He was like stunned and couldn't believe it, you know. So I went up and I did 20 minutes. And they, I got off the stage and he says, that's great, but I need five. I need five tight, tight minutes. So with the help of my friend Mike Little, of whom helped me actually become a comedian because I managed to stay at his place in Manhattan and uh, worked as a plumber during the day. And I would go over to his his penthouse, and sleep that afternoon and get ready for the night because I would have to hang out from like 9 to 1 in the morning 
until you know they were ready to give me a spot you know so that's the you know that was that was the games they played and it kind of toughened me up you know and um but uh, Dick Ebersole came in again uh, about three months later after I went all over town with Mike and prepped myself for five minutes. I kept practicing the five minutes, kept practicing. And uh, I met this young agent. He was, you know, pushing them in the mail room, just starting out. It was, his, name is, his name was Mark Petraka. Nice kid. And he was telling me, man, you're so funny. You know, he says, oh, God, he says, I wish I could help you. I says, you want to get out of that mail room? And he just looked at me and goes, well, how can you do that? I said, I'll tell you right now. You get me on Saturday Night Live because I've been calling and nobody's answering. i got to show them that five minutes. And uh, if you can get them on and uh, get me on, says, they'll, make you, they'll make you an agent because of the way you did it. Because, yeah, that's, yeah, yeah, you know. So we started calling, and I was getting nowhere. So I asked Robin Williams. I know I'm name-dropping, but I asked Robin to mention me to Dick Ebersole. And um, eventually, believe it or not, they were getting ready to come down and see me again. But Mark Petraka made one little mistake. He went and told the club, uh, this is Mark Petraka from William Morris, and uh, I have Frankie Pace coming down for a Saturday night live audition, and we need a spot. We need like a 10 o'clock spot. And they went, yeah, sure. And they put about seven or eight of their comics on before me, looking uh, to you know see if they can grab the spot instead of me getting it. And Dick Ebersole sitting in the audience, meanwhile, watching these guys. And, you know, they were nervous wrecks. And the shows were not going well. People were not getting the vibe. And I'm in the back going, ah, crap, man. I can't believe they're doing this to me. This is my spot. And these guys are like, you know, hamming in on it. And the club's not doing anything about it. They're, they're, they're condoning it, you know. They don't care. They, whoever gets it, gets it. And I'm going, I'm going to lose this, man. I'm, I'm not going to make this thing. This is, and I'm depressed. I'm sitting in the back, you know just holding on to myself. And a comedian named Ronnie Shakes, who I loved, I thought he was very funny. He did uh, a bunch of Carson shows already. He came up to me and said, Frank, Frankie, he says, this crowd is not good because these guys are too nervous and they're losing their timing. He says, but I'm going to go up. I'm going to get them going and then I'm going to call out your name. And what you got to do is you got to run up on that stage and make sure you get up there before the MC does. Because once you get up on that stage, the MC cannot drop you. He has to leave you alone, and you have to do whatever time you got to do up there. So I waited with my suitcase on the side. Nobody knew what I was doing. And Ronnie Shakes gets the crowd. He gets them laughing. I mean, really laughing, you know. He could have stayed up there. He could have stayed up there five, ten minutes and took over and probably got the... Uh, Maybe they would have liked him more than me. Who knows? But he says, now I want to introduce my friend. He's really supposed to be auditioning tonight here for Saturday Night Live. Frankie Pace. Come up, Frankie. And he walked off one end of the stage, and I ran up the other end of the stage. And the MC tried to get up there, but he couldn't get up there. And I went up, I did my five minutes, and the place is roaring. I mean, roaring. And I walked off soaking wet almost, you know. And I'm like, oh, God, I, I don't know. I, I'm going to go back to plumbing. And all of a sudden, I feel a hand on my shoulder. It's Dick Ebersole. Dick, Dick says, 
this is perfect. It's what I want. We'll see you soon. And, you know, like, holy crap, you know. So now I'm talking outside with him out in the street. And they're all hanging out by the window inside the club. You know, all the comics staring at me and everything. And uh, and I'm smiling. I'm going, you know, I'm really enjoying this. And Dick just looked at me and smiled. He says, I got to go, you know. And um, I think it was about three months later, three months later, I got the call. I had my car on the lift. And uh, Mark Petraka was looking for me all over town. And he called every gas station. And this is how the call went. Hey, Frankie, that's my mechanic. Hey, Frankie, you got a, a phone call here. Some guy wants to talk to you. I says, who, who wants to talk to me? Because I don't know. I said, what's his name? <clears throat> he says, um, uh, Willie, Willie Morris. I go, Willie, William Morris. And I ran to the phone and it was Mark. Mark says, where the hell are you? I called every goddamn shell station. You got to go down tonight. You're going to go down. And you're prepping for tomorrow night's show. So get down to NBC tonight, and uh, they're going to prep you. I said, oh, my God. And I pulled the, pulled the car down, ran home, got all dressed up and brought my stuff, drove into the city, and uh, got on the set. And they prepped me because they had to make sure everything worked. Make You know, when I did the tray stand routine, I didn't hit the microphone, stuff like that. And they wanted to see how I looked, and they judged, the, you know, the five minutes I did. And then <clears throat> I said, okay, tomorrow night we're going to do the show. And I brought my friend Barry Berry with me, Barry Berry Douglas. Barry was a writer for a show called Living Color. They wrote the uh, Homeboy Shopping Network and, you know, scenes like that. I don't, I think he wrote with Franklin and the Jai. They did, I think they did Homie the Clown. I'm not sure. I don't know if he wrote it or maybe Franklin wrote it. Anyway, Barry was with me. Barry was an old friend of mine. And uh, we're backstage. And uh, I do the first show. The first show is a taping. Okay. You tape the show. And they decide how they're going to maneuver everybody. You know, which segments to put where. And there was a group called Madness. And they sang that song. Our house in the middle of the street. Nice bunch of guys wearing top hats, weird clothes. And I think they were a little high. <laughs> just a little high because uh, they went up they went up first and they did this stuff and I'm like oh man this doesn't sound right you know this guy's just you know I don't know what's going on man. then I did my spot and after the taping Dick Ebersole takes me into his, his office and he says you know what I like about you Frankie you're funny from here to there we're going to move you up from the 1250 spot because that's what they gave me, and and that's a, that's a dead spot. That means people are asleep already before you know it, you know? So you lose about three-quarters of your audience. Then they switched me to the uh, 1150 spot, which was primo. And Barry's going, hey, man, the calm is here. The calm is here. As George McGovern, the host of the show, introduces me, I'm walking out, and Barry says, hey, man, have a good time. Only 20 million people watching. Because in those days, it was only CBS, NBC, and ABC. So the audience was condensed. It's not spread out like it is today. I mean, you could do 15 Saturday Night Lives, and people still probably don't know who you are. But in those days, you know, that was condensed, and everybody saw me. And, uh, you know, I, I really I really had a great set. And uh, 
from then on, I started going out, going to work, and uh, working all the clubs and opening for people, and it was amazing. It was an amazing start of a career for me. It was my first time in national television. Thank you, Eddie Murphy. That's all I got to say, man. Thank you, Eddie Murphy, who I think is is a is a great talent. He's a great mimic. He's a he's a great actor, and uh, he's you know he was nice to me. In fact, one time we were at Columbus Restaurant in New York City, which was run by Sebastian and Regis Philbin, and people would go in there and dine and everything. But late at night, around eleven thirty, you know, after they closed the restaurant down to the public. All the celebrities were coming there, and they would all hang out. And uh, I would go in there and hang out and, you know, talking to all these people. You see Christopher Walken sitting in the corner. It looked like he was stoned out of his mind. <laughs> you know, I mean, uh, 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 Eric Roberts, all these people. And uh, my wife wanted to come one night to see, the, to see these acts, so I made arrangements for dinner to go down and, and you know, and I get down to the to the club, to the restaurant, and the uh, maitre d' says he, he doesn't see my name on the list. So I'm ready to pass him a $100 bill, I figured, you know. And my wife wants to see the celebrities, and what the hell? I, I, I asked for a table weeks ago, and uh, he said, well, I don't see your name. I said, well, you know, here's a, he goes, no, I can't take that. And I'm going, wow, what a dick. My wife is all upset, you know, I'm going, babe, I'm so sorry, I, you know, maybe we got to go find another place and we'll go get something to eat or something. And all of a sudden she starts tapping me, she goes, Frankie, Frankie. I said, what's the matter? I go, look. And I turn around and it's Eddie. He's sitting across, across the way, past like this, almost like a little dance floor. And he's got like, it looked like the last supper for black people. It was hysterical. So I walked up to him and, uh, I said, hey, man, how you doing? Hey. And he says, how you doing? I said, this looks like the last supper. Are you Jesus? He started laughing his ass off. And I says, you know, I, I, he says, you here with the wife? I says, yeah, but we can't get a table because this guy's being a dick. I made reservations two weeks ago, you know. But, well, we're, we're going to leave, you know. He says, oh, man, that's too bad, you know. So as I'm, I'm just about to walk out. The major G comes running over. And, you know, like, it looked like a Goodfellas movie, you know. They picked up a table out of nowhere, and I'm following him with the table, and he sets it up almost on the dance floor, about maybe 10 feet away from Eddie. And we have dinner, and we're sitting with all these celebrities and stuff. And my wife had a great time, and I looked at Eddie, I gave him a thumbs up, you know. And he just gave me a little smile. Eddie's very private. He didn't really, you know... Get like, hey, how you doing? He was, he's pretty cool, man. I got to say, the guy's pretty cool. And uh, that was one experience. Uh, another experience was uh, meeting Whoopi. That was interesting. I met her on uh, Comedy Tonight with Bill Boggs. It was uh, Rick Messina. Rick Messina started out as a, uh, he's a bartender at, in uh, Long Island. And uh, he, he, he loved the comedians and he, was trying to hook up with some of them to manage them. Eventually, he ended up with Tim Allen. Yeah, he ended up as Tim Allen's manager. And Rick liked me, and Rick got me on this show, Comedy Tonight. He told uh, Bill Boggs about me, and they brought me up. And he saw my act, Bill Boggs, and he loved me. He just called me Wacky Frankie Pace, which I thought was kind of corny, but hey, it's a guy's show, man. You know, what am I going to do? So he said, hey, Wacky Frankie Pace. And um, 
I did the pilot. I think it was me, Dennis Blair, Rita Rudner, uh, Soupy Sales, and uh, Whoopi Goldberg. And uh, Whoopi played a character in the audience. We did the pilot, and the show went. The show was a hit. And uh, you know, Whoopi and I hooked up together. We were having fun laughing. This is when she was in her early stages. She just started doing her, her one-woman show, and we became good friends. And uh, I went to see her play. She was pretty good, you know. And me and my wife, now you got to visualize this. We're the only two white people in the audience, you know, a blonde and an Italian, you know, with a bald-headed Italian, you know, in a suit. I look like a mob guy. And after the show, everybody's standing, giving her a standing ovation and applauding, and we stood up. And she pointed to me and pointed to go backstage. And all the, all the blacks are looking at me like, who the hell is this guy, you know? So we went backstage and hung out with Whip. And uh, I got on stage after everybody left, and we were talking. They were taking pictures of her. There were news people there and everything. And I had to stand to the side. but And I was very happy for her, you know. And she was getting ready to do the movie Color Purple. I didn't know that, you know. And uh, and I went up to her and I says, you know, you're going to do this movie. I got a feeling I'll never see you again, you know. She's, you know and she told me, she says, this is where you belong on this stage doing this, doing a one-man show. This is where you belong. And I was, like, stunned. I didn't know what to say, you know. We hugged, and for Christmas, she sent big, big bouquet of balloons for the kids and stuff. And uh, we got a, a, note, a note from, I guess, one of her PA people to come to the rap party for uh, Whoop. And we went over to this house, and all the celebrities were there, uh, you know, uh, I'm trying to think of all their names. I got to hold on. Here we go again. Yeah, a lot of people, celebrities like um, Paul Simon, Penny Marshall. Let me see who else was that. Oh, uh, Paul Simon was funny, man. <laughs> all I said to him was, so what's new? I, I swear, I I was there 15 minutes. He just kept going on this with this liturgy of all the work he did and that was interesting you know but i'm looking at my watch i'm like jeez man the guy's this guy can talk you know to finally whoopie come over and and grab them and i was oh my god thank you but he was you know i'm not knocking a guy but he was telling me about a a video he was going to do with chevy chase and i'm thinking what could he possibly do with chevy chase but he did that he did a video and he chevy chase played the trumpet i forget the name of the tune you can call me al i think what's the name of the song or something, something like that. And who else was there? Uh, somebody asked me for if I had a, a cigarette and a match. Uh, oh, that was John Hurt. John Hurt was the uh, the guy in Alien that got his stomach exploded. That was the first Alien movie. Good actor, great actor. I think he passed now. He's not around. And my wife, was. I turn around, my, my wife's sitting on these big, pil- uh, these big pillows with an actor, you know, and I'm looking, I'm going, guy looks familiar and my wife turns around and she's smiling at me like look who I'm sitting with you know and I look around and it's Richard Gere I'm like holy crap holy what the hell you know then Whoopi came over and she hugged me and she wished me well which she asked me if I wanted you know have a joint and I said well I don't smoke you know I don't don't do that but uh, then uh, I saw this woman eating little pieces of Popeye chicken 
And she's like, you know, taking tiny, tiny bites. This this model, I guess she was a model. Susan Anton, I think. Yeah, Susan Anton, that was her name. But the best one was this guy. I'm talking to him for like six, seven minutes about the industry. And I'm telling him how nice Whoopi is, how great she is. Yeah, she's wonderful. Uh, you know, we, we look for good things for her, you know. I said, well, it was nice talking to, talking to you. I'm Frankie Pace. I'm a comedian, actor. You know, I guess. Oh, I'm I'm Mike Nichols, and I almost felt on my knees. I go, Mike Nichols. He produced One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest, and all these other movies, and Nichols and May, and oh my God! Then Whoopi comes on and goes, Mike, this is one of the funniest guys I've ever seen in my life, and I'm like, you know, I'm almost wetting myself in my pants. That was the highlight of my night. Uh, they really started partying. But we had to go home because we had the babysitter. And my wife says, you know, I regretted that night. You should have stayed with them. And I would have taken a taken the limo home. And uh, you should have stayed with them all night long. You know, you would have probably got more out of the business. And I said, well, that's the way it is. You know, what are you going to do? So, um, wow, I'm really talking here. Uh, I got so many stories. I got so many people that I know, so many great friends so many, uh, so many assholes, and we'll go through that. Right now, I just tell you, I'm living and loving Las Vegas. Um, I'm having a good time out here. Uh, it's hot in the summer. Right now, it's New Year's. Oh, by the way, Happy New Year to everybody. Today's the first day, so I'm starting 23 off, hopefully with a bang with this podcast, and I hope you're listening and enjoying. So stay well, take care of yourselves, have a great new year, and uh, God bless everybody.